When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, you know that this year is going to be the year of the electric off-roader. Is it really? Yeah, there's a bunch of them coming. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking about all of them, starting, of course, with the brand new and just announced all-electric Jeep Wrangler. I never thought I would say that. I know, it's crazy. And in this video, we'll talk about the pros and the cons of an electric off-roader. It's actually a podcast, really. But we'll also talk about why they have a lot of potential, why they have a lot of drawbacks, and talk about what the future could mean for you and your four-wheel drive. All right, let's uh, get going right after the intro. Congratulations, you have now tuned into TFL Talk, where we discuss everything automotive, whether it's cars or trucks. This is the one place where you can be sure to get independent and honest reviews. Let's get back to the show right now. All right, Tommy, I think we should start with uh, the biggest news, of course, and that is that Jeep has uh, officially said they're, well, they're building a concept, not a production so far, but a concept electric Wrangler. What do you got there? Yeah, so on the Jeep.com website, we've got a new tab called The Road Ahead. And this is a tab previewing upcoming models and talking about their electric future. Now, one of the little tiles here is something called the all-electric BEV concept. And BEV stands for Battery Electric Vehicle. Do you want me to read the little snippet? Yeah, go for it. So here's what Jeep says. We plan to reveal a 100% battery-powered Wrangler BEV concept vehicle part as the Easter Jeep brand concept vehicles at the Easter Jeep Safari in Moab, Utah. Yeah, we don't know if actually there is going to be Easter Jeep Safari in Moab, Utah. It's been kind of off and on. Uh, first they canceled it. Now a lot of the hotels are saying they need the business. So it might be back on. I'm hoping it's happening. Uh, and by the way, you think Andre's mad that we've got the Rivian behind us because that's an electric truck. And we're talking cars, not trucks. Yeah, but there is a car, quote-unquote, version of the Rivian, right? There's the R1T, which yep. is the truck, and then the R1S, which is the SUV. So other things that Jeep has teased, something called solar-powered charging. So Jeep plans to install solar-powered charging stations in support of the Jeep Badge of Honor trails across the U.S. Uh, badge of Honor trails are basically iconic trails that Jeep somewhat promotes and gives you this little badge if you're able to tackle in your Jeep branded product. Jeep says look at them, uh, look for them at the iconic Jeep brand locations such as Moab in Utah and the Rubicon Trail in California. Now there's you know been a lot of excitement around electric cars on road but going off road is tricky for a number of reasons. First and foremost uh, we took a Tesla Model X off road and we found out that without a low range you do use a, a lot of power off-roading actually, especially if you get into things like mud or sand. I mean, there's a reason that uh, uh, people need high horsepower vehicles sometimes when they're off-roading. So there's ways around this. Um, and let's talk about 
the pros and the cons of potentially electrification off-road. Sure, so, you can't plug it into a tree. Well, that's coming, but <laughs> let's talk about the, uh, the, the vehicles themselves. Okay. The electric motor makes a lot of sense in an off-road. Right? Yeah, it's very torquey, and torque is what you need. But more importantly, you have instant torque at zero RPM. So you're not waiting for a power band to build. You're not waiting to get into the torque curve. You simply put your foot on the throttle, and you're able to gently and gracefully modulate the torque, which is a huge deal. Now, um, you know, having said that, uh, you know, we do have a probably more off-road experience in electric cars than most because we actually did take a Model X off-road and most people have not taken electric cars off-road. Uh, but were you able to modulate uh, the throttle when you were off-roading the X? I think what happened was that the stability control cut in a lot. Well, I was felt very confident modulating the power. Um, there's of course more that needs to go into it. You need to have differential locks, which the Tesla does not have. But in terms of the actual power delivery, I thought it was very effective in the Model X. Now, one way around not having a low range is by going to electrification because in theory you've got that instant torque, a lot of torque, so you're like, oh, I don't need a low range. But you still don't have that mechanical advantage if you are just running one set of gears or one gear as a lot of the electric cars now are basically direct drive. And think of it this way, right? Be it gas or electricity, when you're riding your bike, if you're putting that bike in 10 or 12 gear and try to go up a hill, you're going to be really straining it. Yep. And that's the same if it's a gasoline engine or an electric motor. Um, now, an electric motor, think of it as like a really buff guy on a bike, so it, it can probably do it, but it's going to be sucking through a lot of electrons making it happen. Yeah, and the other thing that happens, of course, is when you're sucking that much power, you start to overheat things. That's true, yeah. I mean, you do have cooling uh, issues to take into consideration. Yeah, there's just a lot uh, that has to happen. And before we kind of continue on and talk about what it's like to you know have an electric vehicle off-road, in this podcast slash video, we are going to go down the list, and sorry, Andre, we are going to be talking about trucks as well, uh, of all the electric vehicles off-road or specifically that are coming uh, this year, uh, and there's some pretty cool party tricks that some of these have, so we'll discuss those as well. Anyway, you were talking about going off-road electric. What else is there to know? So another pro that could potentially come into play is the placement of the electric motors. So with the gasoline engine, there's typically only one of them, and usually it's in the front of the vehicle, and then you have drive shafts, and you have little um, accessory shafts to take the power from the engine, uh, put it through a transmission in the transfer case, and then you've got a front and rear drive shaft to the axles. But with electric motors, they're nice and compact. I mean, you're not stuck with just one motor. You could put one in the front, one in the back. One and, in the middle. Yeah, and one in the middle, I guess, if you wanted. Or, or better, yeah, you could put one in each wheel. And then you have individual control of what's going on with the traction wheels. And in theory, this is a really cool idea uh, because typically when you're off-road, you need a differential lock to lock the left and the right wheels at the same speed. If you could put the wheel, uh, if you could put a motor, at least one, in, uh, in either the front or the back or one in every corner, you could have super precise uh, kind of telemetry and, and super precise inputs as to what the vehicle does. Yeah. And some of these vehicles actually do that. They do put the motor in the wheel. I always wonder what happens when you get it wet because obviously it's going to get wet in there. And then you get a lot of like unsprung weight, but you can move the motor more. You could get the motor, you, but you can move the motor inboard a little bit and then have a... Inside the wheel? No inside the vehicle oh. and then use like a little prop shaft to get down to the wheels. The other issue, and I'm going to be devil's advocate here, that uh, you have with electric vehicles is they tend to be heavy and most people don't think of weight as being a disadvantage off-road because obviously everybody takes a Jeep and sticks heavy bumpers on it and big old wheels and tires and you know every accessory known to man. But let's face it, Tommy, weight is also the enemy of performance off-road and batteries are heavy. That is going to be 
the biggest con in my opinion because some of these battery packs are monumentally heavy. I mean, if you look at like the gross vehicle weight rating on a Model X, which is a pretty big vehicle, but it's not a Suburban, let's be real, it's well over 6,000 pounds. Curb weight is enormous on a Model X, and that has half the battery capacity of something like the upcoming Hummer EV. And here's something I like to say, and I got roasted on Teslarati by saying this, but I, I uh -oh. absolutely believe this. All right, what are you saying? Well, the, the, the Tesla folks are saying that the Cybertruck is going to be unbeatable off-road. Okay. Because it's got... The, the tri-motor. The tri-motor, yeah. It's got that individual control I was talking right. about. It's going to have a thousand horsepower. But what I said, and I still stand by, is I don't think in terms of stock for stock, you can beat a 1940s Willys Jeep, uh, like a CJ2A. <laughs> okay. Because think it's about so it. It's so light. Yeah, it's yeah, so light. If you look at on-road technology, a 1940s race car compared to a, uh, uh, an F1 car from today, obviously two vastly different worlds that they can't compete in even, I mean the old one would be so squished in a road course it wouldn't be funny. But off-roaders, the technology evolves so much slower because the same stuff that a Jeep needed in World War II is the same stuff that a new Jeep needs to get down the Rubicon Trail. It needs ground clearance, it needs good tires, it needs some kind of traction aid, and it needs lightness. And lightness, like you talked about, Dad, is the pinnacle. Yeah, that is I, amazing. I mean, you watch some of those old like uh, movies that they have of the Jeeps, right? Where they were kind of doing the field tests, and those things are like bounding across. Yeah, <laughs> like like little kangaroos. It's pretty hilarious, and at actually. The, at the Easter Jeep Safari, yeah. which is this big gathering of Jeep enthusiasts, <laughs> yeah. there's a group of guys. Let's be honest, older guys that are still taking Jeeps from the 40s and 50s on little tiny tires. They're taking them up the escalator. Yeah, they're taking them up these monster or hills. Or Hellgate. Yeah, they're, because they're so light. They're taking, up, taking them up really serious terrain that new guys with $80,000 built-out rigs are, in some cases, having a hard time with. So lightness is key. Well, let's talk about the power, because you said power is a good thing off-road. I kind of I said torque is a good thing off-road. I, I kind of disagree. It depends, because look, we do a lot of rock crawling, uh, and rock crawling, you could just take your time, right? You pick your line. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that potentially energy intensive, but I said running in the sand, uh, running in the mud is very energy intensive. If you look at like the way they go swamp bugging in Florida, right? Those are, you know, built up uh, crazy, big tired, you know, big, heavy, very powerful vehicles because they need that weight to get through that swamp. Yeah, I mean, if you're driving through an ocean, you want to... And same thing in the sand, too. Sand running takes a lot more energy. Yeah, you're going to want that supercharged big block, the 454. But on the kind of off-roading that most people do, service roads, um, exploration trails out here in Colorado and out west, that stuff is always so slow. I mean, if, if we're going on a trail, even a mild trail in Colorado, if you're doing more than 10 miles an hour, you're going pretty quick in a car because you just get bounced out of it. But having said that, that Tesla, you know, when we were going up that mountain, was using a lot of power because you're, you're dragging a lot of weight up a very steep hill, and that so uses a lot of power. That's where having the mechanical advantage comes in. A low gear. Yeah, if you can have a low gear, then the power doesn't matter. Once again, like a CJ2A or a CJ5, the old ones had 40 to like 60 horsepower. But the gearing was so low, you plop that thing in a granny low, let off the clutch, and it will crawl over anything. All right, I think that's enough of our uh, hand-boning about what it's like to go off-road in an electric vehicle. Let's get down to the brass tacks time, and let's talk about the vehicles that are coming that are electric off-roaders. And the one that's coming the soonest, and hopefully we should have it in the offices any day now, uh, is the first electrified uh, vehicle by Jeep, the Jeep, and this is weird, but it, that's what they're calling it, the 4 by e right? And that's a plug-in hybrid. Uh, let's talk about that one, because uh, that one is pretty much 
you know, available to purchase. It's real. It's not something that, you know, is, uh, kept getting, you know, kicked down the road that's going to be, you know, six months from now or a year from now or two years from now. So this is interesting. So this is an electrified Jeep. Yep. It's not a full electric Jeep. Yep. What's the difference? Well, the difference is that it's got a traditional gasoline-powered engine and an electric motor. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, a vehicle that is capable of going, I think, what is it, how many, if I remember right from the uh, press material, between 25 miles on a, fully on a full charge. So I think it's got like, what, like a 17 kilowatt hour battery. It's, right. It's not huge. Yeah, and then when the battery dies, yeah. you have a two liter gasoline engine that will pick up the rest of the trip. And I think this is a very clever idea because as you kind of teased at the beginning of this podcast, one of the big questions is when you're out exploring off-road, how are you going to keep the battery electric vehicle charged? Yeah, this vehicle should have tremendous range uh, because of the hybrid nature of it, uh, the plug-in hybrid nature of it. You should be able to get a lot of uh, distance from a fuel tank, which is actually a good thing because, you know, getting into nature is great, but being able to get home is even better. Now, this vehicle operates, like you said, as an electric car for about 20 to 25 miles. Yeah. And the cool thing is you are going to be able to use the electric motor in the low range setting with diff locks. Yeah, and it's got, the great thing about the, the 4x is, uh, you know, having we spoke to the engineer in charge of it, uh, and he said that they absolutely did not uh, compromise a Wrangler's off-road ability in any way. So it's got, you know, everything that a regular Wrangler would have. It's just, uh, you know, got an extra battery pack. So let's, let's kind of discuss that for a sec. So front, rear, and center lockers. Right. Um, yeah, it's got all the capability of a Wrangler. Uh, disconnectable sway bar. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's got 470 pound-feet of torque, 0 to 60 in 6 seconds, which is very quick. It should be the quickest Wrangler outside of the 392. Yeah, the big V8. Yeah. Would you feel comfortable going off-road and exploring in a full electric four-wheel drive? That's a great question. You know, um, our friend Emmy just did um, the Rivian for the Rebel Rally, right? Uh, and kind of the, the I, I, it's not really a dirty secret, but you know, she, she did it, uh, but they had like a semi-rig pulling a trailer with, you know, massive batteries and a solar array to help charge up that Rivian when, uh, you know, she was in the bivouac at night. Uh, and let's face it, me and you aren't gonna have that, Tommy. <laughs> We're yeah. not gonna have a, a big old semi with batteries, you know, and a, and a deployable uh, solar array <laughs> to charge up our vehicle. So she was out way out in the desert, right? Well, she depending on the stage of the Rebel Rally, sure. But they didn't have access to like- No, they couldn't fiber. plug it into a cactus or a tree yet. Now, I think the range is obviously the big question here with the full electric off-road. Yeah. If we look at the current crop of EVs, like look, let's look at the SUVs. How far can a Model X go on one charge? Uh, about 300 miles, give or take. What about the Model Y? Same thing, depending on which one you get. The new, uh, the newest one that uh, Tesla just announced, the Model S, has up to 420, I think. But that's a sedan. Right. So let's say, let, let's assume 300 miles right. on the street. Mm -hmm. Let's cut that in half for a I sec. I would cut that in half. I At think least. that's realistic, yeah. I think it may in some cases be two-thirds now, but let's cut it in half, right? Yeah. yeah. When I go out and, and kind of hit some trails in Colorado with my friends, yep. I typically go for the day. Yep. So I, I, I occasionally will do like an overnight thing, but most of the time it's a day trip. I think for a day trip, if you have an EPA rated range of about 400 miles, that means off-road maybe 200 miles, that probably will be enough. For a good day worth of exploring, you're going so slow, you don't really go that far. I mean, you're never really going more so, than... Yeah, I, I agree. If you're, if you're, you know, going, going around, 
If you're in Moab and you're going and running trails, 200 or 150 miles off-road is a long day. That's a long time. We, I've driven, I've done the, we've done, we've done the entire White Rim Trail, which is, I want to say 140 miles. It's like 120. Well, it depends if you start at Moab oh, or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in one day, and it's tiring. You're pretty, I've done it on a, in a truck, in a car, in a motorcycle, all in one day, and it's exhausting. So yeah, I think you're right. But the problem comes in, potentially, is if you're like, hey, I'm going to drive to Moab, and then I'm going to go off-roading. You're not. Yes, you're going to have to find places so to there charge. Ain't, there ain't no superchargers outside of downtown Moab. Well, the other issue that's... And it's not just Moab, Salt Lake City, whatever, you know, Palm Springs. You pick your off-roading, Joshua Tree, wherever you want to go. The other thing that's going to happen is here in Boulder, we've got a lot of infrastructure. We've got the fast charging network. Right. And I can go half an hour up into the hills and be in pretty good off-road terrain. If you live in a place like L.A., right, you're going to have to go much further east to a location that probably isn't going to have a great infrastructure for fast charging and then go off-roading and that's kind of what you're talking about that's when you're going to start running into the off-road range issues now what's the solution to this so what about solar panels not enough power yeah i mean if, a giant array. if you had even a, an array the size of the vehicle yeah i mean like like that tesla model y we have right now yeah you know you could plug that into our house and power it for at least a week it's got that much power if it's fully charged do you remember so there's a hyundai <laughs> there's a hyundai um what is that thing the sonata that's hybrid. why they burn so well <laughs> Well, it's true. The, the Sonata Hybrid yeah. has a solar panel on this roof. Yeah, it just charges up to 12-volt battery. But apparently it makes enough electricity on a perfectly sunny day yes. to go like half a mile. <laughs> on pure electric. On pure electric, yeah. And that's a full day yeah. of direct sun. You should have a full day and, 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 you know, like a long day probably. Yeah, yeah. It, it was some tiny number. Maybe it was like a mile or something. But it was minuscule. So solar panel's not really an option. Yeah. What about backup battery boosters, like extra batteries? Uh, not doable. I read there's a company that's building one now. Yeah. It's kind of like a jerry can for a battery. Yeah. It's very expensive and ridiculously heavy. So, so we did a series of videos where we took uh, two different chargers, right? A small like utility charger and a big uh, 240 volt charger and tried to charge up our uh, first smart electric car and then our Tesla with those two chargers. What do you mean by chargers? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, power plants, right? The little electric... Uh, um, oh, the generators. The generators, yeah, oh, not okay. chargers, the generators. The electric generators. So right. we took a small one and we took a big one. And, uh, you know, we went into the woods and tried to charge up both those vehicles. And what we found is that you can do it. Grounding is always an issue. The, the big 240 Honda, right, that we have, which puts out, how many? It's 5,700 watts. watts, which is big. You know, it's something that you would use if, for instance, power went out in your house. You could power a bunch of different appliances with it, including, like, the stuff that uses a lot of power. Uh, and we found that that works, but then you got to drag a generator. It charges pretty slowly. I forget how many, you know, it's, it's kind of like to, to charge up that Tesla, it would have probably taken over 24 hours, even with the big uh, generator. I think you would probably be, so it's about the same as, like, if you look at a small pack, like an i3, yeah. which has a range of 80 miles, using that generator, you could probably get a full charge in six hours or so. Five to six hours yeah, if using can, a 240 if, volt. If you system. can ground it, and the thing is, this is a big Honda. I mean, it's I mean, a couple hundred pounds. This is like a big, it's big, a big yeah. Honda. It's like the size of you know a big. It's a big enough box where you could put a small person in it. It's that. That's the size of the. Yeah, it's a, it's a big unit. It weighs a couple hundred pounds. A Tesla. I'm just gonna say it would probably be over 12 hours and 240 volts. I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, and then you're gonna need gas to power it. And then the biggest issue, of course, is even though the Honda is whisper quiet, it's still, you know, it's a generator, so it's, you can hear it. Okay, so going back to what I was saying, though, you can get battery packs yep. now. There's a company that makes like a little 
basically jerry can full of batteries it doesn't look like that right but it's super heavy and it's only three kilowatt hours which will get you 12 miles yeah. i mean it's not a lot of not a lot of juice in that puppy so so I, I don't think any of that is practical at this point. Okay, so what about um, plug-in hybrids then? This is a good idea then. Would you agree? So you have 25 miles of all-electric range, which is plenty for most people commuting in the city, right? Yeah, that's why the 4 by makes sense. And right? then when you go out into the, the trees, you've got the gasoline engine that works like a gasoline engine. But the problem with the 4 by e Tommy, is that there is also the diesel, there's also the 392, there's also the Pentastar, right? If, if that were like the only Jeep that you could go buy, then it would be a great idea because that would be the one that would get bought and used and people would figure out how good it is. But it's going to be expensive and there's going to be ones that people are going to buy ahead of it. So I got a bad feeling because there's so many choices in the Wrangler, it's going to be the last one that people choose. Some people might be the first, but for most people, the first one, if they could afford it, at least according to the comments we've been reading, is a 392, right? The big old V8. Uh, then probably, you know, the next one is going to be like the Rubicon Pentastar, which is kind of the bread and butter Jeep. Then at some point, anybody who wants to lift it and put old big, big old tires on it, they're going to want to go with a diesel. Uh, and so I'm just curious as to who's actually going to pay the extra money for the, for the hybrid. So it starts at 48240 mm. Now, the big issue with plug-in hybrids, in my mind, is in theory, the plug-in hybrid, it should be the best of both worlds. You get the benefits of electricity and the benefits of the gasoline engine. But oftentimes, the reverse happens. It's the worst of both worlds. Because you're carrying around a lot of weight. You're carrying around batteries and two power plants. Yep. Yeah, so it's not a very good electric car when it's running on electricity because it has to lug around two liters worth of engine. Yep. And it's not a very good gasoline engine because when the battery dies, you're relying on the gasoline power plant to lug around the, the dead batteries. Um, but... I do think there is a, a place for this technology in an off-roader. It's, it's definitely a bridge to an all-electric vehicle. It's not the end. It's, you know, part of the journey, not the destination. But what if the destination can't be electric because you can't plug into a tree? Well, we're going to find out by the end of this year. Now, another issue, speaking of range, yeah. which is interesting, when you look at like the high-range vehicles, like the Model S that you talked about, the Lucid, yep. um, these are vehicles that are very streamlined. They are low to the ground. Yeah. They're very slippery. A Wrangler is definitely a brick in the wind. And and even if you are able to make a Wrangler more slippery, more aerodynamic, right? Think about what you need to go off-road. You need ground clearance. That's bad for range. You need big tires. That's really bad for range. And all of these are compromises that make them worse electric cars. So let's get um, kind of to the next one, uh, which is a Rivian. And there are two Rivians, right? There is the one that's behind me, which is uh, the pickup truck. And then there's also the crossover uh, or SUV. Uh, and I think out of all of these, and I'm kind of trying to go down the road as to which one's coming next. So first, you know, the one that's almost at the dealership is the 4 by e I don't know when the electric concept is actually going to be a reality for the Wrangler. We do know that Rivian told us initially that they were going to have trucks and you know, the crowd's ready uh, at the beginning of this year, then they pushed it to the middle of this year. So now we're looking at maybe, what, three, four months from now before they hit the dealerships. I would not be surprised if this is actually going to be more like the end of the year because as far as I know, they don't have a lot of dealerships yet or they're, oh, they're called studios. Where, they're calling them studios. Where, isn't it Lucid? Isn't Lucid calling them studios? Oh, maybe Lucid's calling them studios. Where are you going to buy these Rivians? I don't know where you're going to buy them. That's what I mean. Yeah. So anyway, so let's let's just go with what they're saying. They're going to be available in midsummer sometime. Uh, and I think out of all of them, this one has the most off-road um, experience uh, because, uh, you know, they've been off-roading a long time, testing them a long time. And, and if you guys are fans, like uh, Tommy and I are motorcycles, you may have watched a long way up which was uh, 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 kind of a, um, 
a video that aired, actually it's a, it's a series that aired on um, Apple Plus where Ewan McGregor and his friend Charlie rode electric motorcycles, um, the uh, Livewire, the Harley, all the way from Terra de Fuego up to LA. And for their support vehicle, they used a couple of uh, Rivian uh, pickup trucks, right? Right. Now, I am skeptical about this. I, I'm not skeptical that they did it. Right. I, I do believe they absolutely did it, but what I'm skeptical about is how they were able to keep these vehicles charged because they said that they were working with a company to install um, juice boxes, which yeah. are basically chargers along the journey. thing about juice boxes is from the, the images I saw from the show, they looked like level two, yeah. which would mean it would take... I don't know, six, what's, six what's, to eight hours to charge one of these cars. What's Rivian saying in their battery? They're big, right? These are like 150 or 200 kilowatt battery packs. Yeah, so it would probably take a full day yeah. to charge one, let alone two, because they yeah. had two of them, and two motorcycles. So I think, and I, I can't prove this, but I think there was a lot of diesel used in generators there, to keep these vehicles on the road. There was one shot where you could actually see what their generator truck looked like. They also, but, they also were able to tow charge them, so they grabbed... Right, that's what I was going to say. Remember I said there was two like, cool tricks that some of these do, and one of them actually they showed in the, the, the series, and that was tow charging them, right? So what they were able to do was they were able to, like, you know, hook them up to a big old semi-truck, and then, you know, the semi-truck would drive down the road, and because of regenerative braking, uh, the Rivians actually charge themselves, which is cool, but yet kind of counterproductive, you know? I mean, you're using a semi-truck that's burning a boatload of carbon, or emitting a boatload of carbon, burning a boatload of diesel to then charge an electric truck or car uh, that, you know, is probably not the most effective way of, of using dead dinosaurs. And maybe they did use, you know, it, the infrastructure throughout South America to get these things charged, but I would imagine it would have been quite a long trip if that was the case using solely nothing but but, you know, like wall plugs and stuff. You, you know, there's another party trick that Rivian has shown uh, and has not in the series, but they've shown it in videos, and that is, of course, the tank turn, Tommy. You want to talk about the tank turn? Basically, they can turn, uh, what is it? Uh, is it the front wheels separately from the rear wheels? And then, and then you can get it to spin in its own axis? Or is it the left wheels and then the right wheels? I don't remember. But there's a way that you're able to spin wheels in opposite directions to get it to turn 360 degrees in its own length, like a tank. Yeah, that's the advantage of having independent motors in each wheel, right? Right. You can and do that. That's a very cool thing. In the real world, I've never felt the need to do a tank turn. And it, not once off-road have been like, I wish I could spin this thing around in its own length. It's probably going to be really bad for the vehicle if there is uh, any kind of grip. Like and, the, and the landscape. Like, that's, that's going to tear up a lot of, a lot of ground but, doing but that. But in the snow, it'd be cool. Well, once again, I don't need to in turn sand, around in, in the... sand or dirt. I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you're riding along off-road and you come up to a cliff and there are, uh, you know... A limited ability to make a turnaround, and you don't want to go flying over the cliff. So if you can do this tank turn, you could kind of turn it around, right? So there are um, the base one starts at uh, sixty-seven five. Are you sure? I think a little bit. Are you talking about the SUV or the the truck? The truck. Okay. Sixty-seven five. The adventure package starts at seventy-five thousand. Deliveries begin when January twenty-two. Really? Mm -hmm. So they moved the bar again. That's what it's saying on the website. Wow. There what you about go. the big battery? Does that change it? It must be a first edition that goes out earlier, maybe? I don't know. I can't figure this out. But now here it says deliveries. Oh, the launch edition. Here yeah, we go. That's what I thought. Yeah. The launch editions are f sold out. 
June of 21. Yeah, exactly. So, so they're saying over 300 miles of range. Yeah. So And there's also going to be the truck one coming, or the, the SUV one coming, right? Yeah. Now, th there's another uh, interesting thing that happened to the boys uh, on Long Way Up, uh, and they showed it, actually. So I'm, actually, i got to be telling I love the series. I, I watched Long Way Around, Long Way Down, now Long Way Up, right? They went around the world. They went kind of all the way to South uh, uh, Africa, and then this time they went you know all the way to L.A. from Puerto Fuego. But there was... I think one of the early episodes, one of the trucks had uh, an electronic failure where it actually locked the brakes, right? The computer said, uh, and then the brakes went, the calipers closed, and they couldn't move it. I mean, they literally couldn't move it. Uh, and that's another issue with electrification, right? Now you've got a computer, I mean, in a, like you said, in that old Willys Jeep, right? There's, it's pretty basic. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's a clutch, it's a, it's an engine, it's, you know, <laughs> freewheeling uh, transmission, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Here, you've got a computer that controls every facet of this car, and when the computer decides that it wants to reboot itself, as, you know, we all know phones do at the most awkward times, we know computers update themselves at the worst times, this is what's going to happen to your electric vehicle, and that time can be when you're off-road 100 miles from nowhere, uh, and if that happens and those uh, brakes lock up, you're, you know, you're not going to call anybody to recover you because they're not going to be able to tow that thing out of there. The funny thing is, though, you can make such a simple electric off-roader. Yeah. There are so many fewer parts that you need to make an electric motor work like a, compared to a gasoline like engine. Like a Minx? You mean like, like, you know, like, like take the Volkswagen, instead of putting the Volkswagen engine, put like a little electric engine in yeah, the back? Yeah, I mean, uh, but these, these trick menu, if Jeep wanted to, they could make a very stripped down all electric model with very few moving parts. Right. There's not much to it. You need a motor controller, you need a motor, you need a charger, you need a DC to DC inverter and a battery. Uh, and then, you know, you need some kind of direct drive or right, but, ideally a But, but today's case. electric cars are super computerized, right? But you don't need that. I mean, I want a simple electric car. Every, I want two pedals and a, th and a steering wheel and an on switch. I don't uh, want anything else. I don't want the traction control and the craziness. So Tesla has completely, like, to get to autonomous, you got to go the exact opposite way of what you're talking about, right? A vehicle that can drive itself, that knows when to turn on its headlights, that knows, you know, where the next charger is, that, uh, that does, like, pre condition the batteries before you get to the charger. There's just a lot of electronic control. I want like a 1948 power wagon <laughs> with 800 horsepower and nothing else. Just leave the power wagon bit and then make it electric. All right. All right. Well, I think we've uh, talked about Rivian enough. Let's go to the next one uh, that uh, is actually uh, the one that is the most expensive, I think, by far, and that is uh, the new... EV Hummer that GM introduced. Now, initially we thought it was going to be out sometime 2022, but now they're saying it's going to be out this year. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and it is crazy expensive because the first edition uh, or the launch edition is, I think, $112,000. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And this is now being called the GMC Hummer EV. Ah, there you go. So this is the, the approach that I kind of dislike. Yeah. Because us uh, talk about complicated tech and and crazy. They definitely they definitely like leaned into that Hummer image. I mean, what I would have liked to seen is <laughs> it's true. You know, keep figure out a way to make it lightweight with a really thin tire, still maintain the ground clearance. Uh, you know, really clever engineering. What GM did with the Hummer is they took basically 8,000 pounds worth of chassis. Even a bigger battery. Yeah, plop, plopped on four 35-inch tires that are wider than, yeah. than um, I don't know. A whale. A whale, yeah, exactly. And then gave it 
two what 200 kilowatt hours worth of battery yeah it's crazy that yeah. battery pack seriously that's probably more weight than the cj2 i, I keep talking about yeah. eventually they're going to do a, a more affordable one like in the eighty thousand dollar range but this hundred and twelve thousand dollar beast uh that does once again we're talking about uh you know cool things it does it does that crab mode so yeah it does could, yeah so we could talk about crab mode crab so, walk it's called yeah, yeah un 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 <laughs> Unlike the Rivian, which can do a tank turn, uh, they they showed this video, uh, and let's face it, this video was a computer animated video, so it wasn't uh, actually a real uh, vehicle doing this thing, but it can turn the wheels in the same direction, so uh, basically it can crab, right? So you're going down the road, and there's something in front of you, all four wheels turn right, and then you kind of crab uh, sideways to go around the obstacle, and then you turn the wheels the other way, and you crab around it. It's, it's a little goofy, uh, but yeah, it's cool. They also say, because they put so much power into it, they're to 60 in approximately three seconds, yep. which is not, not what you need off-road. No. 1,000 horsepower, which is not what you need off-road. Um, it has an 800-volt DC fast charging capability with up to 350 kilowatts of charging, Yeah, which is quicker than the fastest car on the market right now, the Taycan, which is 270. So that's pretty insane. They're saying charge nearly 10 miles. They're saying charge nearly 100 miles in 10 minutes, excuse me. Uh, top comes uh, off. I don't believe any of that, by the way. Why not? Uh, because because uh, I've been fed that uh, line of uh, marketing too many times, right? And in the real world, those numbers are never that quick. You're lucky to hit it for like a minute or two, if at all. Mm. Uh, for the most part, you know, the, the chargers, uh, if they do hit that number, it drops off very quickly. So yeah, yeah, it's like it's pure marketing, um, let's call it razzle-dazzle. Or if you're being more realistic, BS. I do um, like the uh, the four the four wheel steering is pretty cool. Yeah, and where, where are you gonna, where are you gonna find that charger for it, Tommy? Well, we were talking about that earlier. I mean, with 200 kilowatt hours, hopefully to go far enough where you don't really need to worry about charging it up if you're going out on a day trip. Because <sighs> charging 200 kilowatt hours, even at 350 kilowatts, is gonna be a long procedure. So some other things you need to know about the Hummer is. Um, it's uh, it's just insane in every way. It's got a, a massive screen. It's got this crazy interior. Um, it's got locking diffs, I believe, right, Dad? Then they include a front and rear locking differentials. Oh, air suspension. Another thing I really dislike, by the way, off-road for the most part. Yeah, they tend to fail. Yeah, air suspension. And they give kind of a bad bad ride, in my opinion. Um, apparently, there's going to be a camera underneath it. Why do you need a camera underneath it? Not really sure, but that is apparently something that they're going to uh, incorporate. Of course, heavy-duty ball spline half shafts. You have to because it weighs a billion tons. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit crazy uh, and it's a little bit expensive. And like I said, they really leaned into the, the Hummer uh, image, right? Of uh, And what I mean by that, not the conspicuous consumption, not the huge energy, because obviously this thing's electric, but what they leaned into was that image of uh, people buying, like rappers buying off-roaders that will never, ever see dirt, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like who's going to take a hundred? Here's the thing about off-roading, right? Uh, the, the amount a vehicle goes off-road and how quickly it goes off-road is directly proportional to how much it costs. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. So so the more expensive a vehicle is, the less likely it is ever to see dirt. Unless it gets really used, like Range Rovers. What is it? Well, that's seven years or... Uh, 70,000 miles. miles. Yeah, yeah. that's the first time you'll see dirt. Seven years or the third owner or something like that. Yeah, I think I forgot those statistics. But anyway, yeah. So, you know, I mean... Ugh. 
There are some other tech things that we need to talk about that they're going to have to kind of get over. Uh, Dude, by the way, you know that supercharging? Yeah. Those those don't exist. Those superchargers don't exist that can put out that much power. 350? Yeah, yeah uh, Electrify America does. Uh huh. That's 350 kilowatts, the yeah. new ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're up to 350 apparently. Once again, yeah. So, we're, you're gonna burn that. You're gonna burn your hand out. You know they actually have to cool that. Yeah, the water cool the the the, the cable. The cable yeah. because yeah. So you got to protect the battery. So most of these vehicles have the battery underneath them. Yep. Uh, which is good for once again low center gravity, which is good off road. It's also very good on road, and like Tesla's have it. But of course Teslas then aren't going bouldering. If you puncture those batteries, really bad things can happen quickly. Oh yeah. So if the batteries are gonna live underneath these cars and trucks. They better be super, super secure, like even more secure than what you'd find in a gasoline vehicles because the risks are much higher. I zoomed in, sorry. Okay. That's <laughs> All right. Fine. All right. So there is the Hummer EV uh, coming this year to whoever can afford that much money. Also, uh, water fording. You got to go through three feet of water, I think, is what the Rivian's rated at, where you got to make sure that's better be nice and sealed. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of issues. Um, but uh, let's jump to the one that I think everybody wants us to talk about, and that is, of course, sorry, Andre, the Cybertruck, which is coming now. Now, okay, once again, uh, so I went on the launch of the Cybertruck. I actually got to ride in it. It's really cool. It's not going to be built the way that it was launched because, well, it doesn't meet federal or local safety or design or any kind of, you know, uh, regulations uh, currently. But they're going to redesign it. They're building the factory in Texas outside of Austin uh, and uh, it was supposed to come uh, this year uh, right now the latest that, that, that Mr. Musk uh, said in the conference call the investor conference call was that potentially Tommy there may be some like uh, beta or beta as you British like to say models running around at the end of the year but hmm. deliveries aren't going to start till 2022 real deliveries so uh, once again I think realistically you're looking at maybe this time next year so some of, the Maybe. some of the specs are going to be three available, the single motor rear-wheel drive. And it's the most affordable out of all of them. Interesting. Um, dual motor all-wheel drive. I want, to say, I want to say it starts with like, and, and usually uh, Tesla has been good about actually sticking to the price point. So I want to say 39000 40000 for the for the, you've got the pricing there, right? Uh, I don't because I still want to talk about the third version, which is the tri-motor all-wheel drive. That's the most expensive. Yeah, so ranges vary from 250 allegedly is what they're quoting, mm -hmm. up to 500 plus in the tri-motor. Um, Basically, I think it's like 40000 up to like 70000 ish 79000 ish for the really fast tri-motor one. Yeah, that's right. Thirty-nine nine. Right. Um, ground clearance up to 16 inches. Approach angle is supposed to be 35 degrees. Departure angle is supposed to be 28 degrees. It's supposed to have adaptive air suspension as standard. And I also think this is going to be a ridiculously heavy vehicle because it's going to be huge and it's going to need some serious battery. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, buzz and a lot of controversy around it. So one of the things that, that, that you'll notice, like the Rivian compared to the Cybertruck, is the Cybertruck looks like it's some kind of dystopian, you know, war-mongering uh, vehicle that a warlord would like, right? Yeah, it, it looks it, like someone pitched a lean-to tent on a skateboard. And, and you know, when, they, when it came out and they, and they smashed the big uh, metal ball into the windshield and door trying to show that it was bulletproof, I mean, you know, you feel like you're living in a Mad Max movie. Do you really need a vehicle. It kind of speaks to our society and where we were at that time. Maybe we're still there, maybe we're going there, but to me, you know, it, do it doesn't say um, take me outdoors and enjoy the beauty of the open sky and, you know, let's go and, and commune with nature, peace, love, and harmony. It says, it says, you know, 
it says uh, mount a machine gun on the back <laughs> and, and go kill the, the local warlord uh, that's, you know, just encroaching on my territory. That, that's kind of the vibe it puts out. I do really like the, um, the rendering they did with the tent on top, though. I think that looks really cool. There's like a topper tent. Um, yeah, I mean, I just don't know. I, I mean, this is such a concept vehicle. I just need to see what it'll look like in. in yeah, we want. We need to, at this point. We need to see what the uh, you know what the what the real one will look like. Uh, and uh, you know, lest we forget it, Tommy, there are a couple other players, right? Ford has an all electric F one fifty coming. Yeah, and then I think GM is going to do a more affordable electric truck, like a Silverado. Yeah, there's there's that. But we can talk about the uh, hybrid Ford F-150. We actually had that. Yeah, so that's got some cool stuff. That's yeah. got a 3.5 liter twin turbo EcoBoost, but it's got a little tiny battery and a pretty big electric motor. And the coolest part of that is not the fact that you can run on electricity up to about 15 miles an hour. It's the onboard inverter, which allows you to pull 7.2 kilowatts of power from the bed. And that's where I'm getting to, Tom. You, 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 you saw me and you cleverly took the conversation right there because if you're going to get a Cybertruck, if you're going to get a Rivian, right, if you're going to get a Hummer, you'll need a Ford F-150 to charge it up. <laughs> it's true yeah. because you can. The cool thing about that hybrid, right, is it's got a, a boatload of power. We actually tried charging up our Tesla with it. Yeah, NRI3. NRI3, and it works like a charm. It would take a remarkably long time though. I mean, 200 kilowatt hours, or sorry. Uh, yeah, but that EcoBoost is a giant generator. Yeah, but 200 kilowatt hours at 7.2 kilowatts, you'd be parked there for like a full day. Yeah, but you can do it, and it works. No one's going to be spending... Right, those generators we were using were having grounding issues with the Ford. You just, and it actually shows you, and the, the gauges turn into like little electric meters, and it shows you how much power it's putting out. Yeah. Uh, and you can just plug the Tesla or plug the BMW or plug your Rivian right into that, uh, into that... Ford, it's pretty badass. I have to look up the number again, but it's something like 30 hours of runtime using generator mode. Yeah. So you'd probably use a full tank of gas to fill up a a like a like yeah, a, you could get a GMC. Couple, if you got stuck, you can Hummer. You know, like Matt's recovery, right? If if he's out there trying to recover, let's say a Rivian, uh, and he could bring that F-150 hybrid, plug it in for a couple hours, give it enough juice to get it back to the highway. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a very exciting idea. But at that point, you might as well just bring a big generator and a trailer. You know yeah, what I mean? but the, the F-150 has it built in. It's, it's, you can get it in the FX4, so it's off-road worthy. You Ish. see what I'm saying? Ish. You're not going to be dragging it on. Uh, the, on the trailer's a pain. The, the, the generator's heavy. and. I, I agree. I mean, it's a very cool idea. It's and, just, and it's, it's quiet. It's quiet. It's probably more quiet than the generator. Look, I love the generator mode. I think when you're out, if you have an F-150, you're looking for an RV, you want to go do a little bit of exploring. Perfect, get the hybrid with the 7.2 kilowatts. Uh, otherwise, like, I, I mean, it's a fun idea to talk about, but there's just not enough power coming out of that. 7.2 is less than what you get out of like a 240 volt plug at a wall. It's not level three. I mean, it's not like it's a, an Electrify America station. You're not, you're not pulling 100, yeah. 200 kilowatts. Yeah, but you're not gonna run that much cable into the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but what if you had like a big ass truck with a big ass generator yeah, yeah, built yeah, in? God. Yeah, like, like Emmy had. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, out of all the ones, Probably, like I say, Tesla has the biggest advantage because right now you can go to places like Moab, Palm Springs, you name the kind of, you know, off-road destination areas, and there are superchargers in a lot of those towns. Yeah. Whereas well, there aren't necessarily, you know, Electrify America. That's also changing quickly. I mean, they're I there. The third, and, and the third. they're seamless, and they work, and we've had, you know, really good experiences with them. They do work, but Electrify America is growing quickly when it comes to installing and, new chargers in new locations. Yeah, and, you know, there's other... There's other networks besides Electrify America. 
Right, there's EVgo and yeah. ChargePoint. Right, that so kind there's, of deal. there's a lot more. I just don't want to like single those guys out. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, we've obviously haven't talked about electric motorcycles. You know, I was expecting like zero. Gosh, those came out what ten years ago now, maybe even longer. It might actually be longer to be super popular. And let's face it, they haven't really taken off. Uh, and uh, if you know why, Tommy, I'd love to hear it. Well, they do an electric dirt bike. Yeah, of course, they've, they've done it from the beginning. Let me pull it up here. It's really, it looks really cool, but I think part of the reason, Dad, is they don't go very far. So in a motorcycle, you don't... They're quiet. You don't have the option, though, to put battery after battery after battery, because they're small, yeah. right? So they don't go very far, and they are stupid expensive. They are yeah. very expensive. Yeah, we, we just bought a Chinese, you know, dirt bike with a little 250cc engine for $2,000, that zero is not going to be that inexpensive. Let me find the little... So they do a couple of... They do an adventure bike now too, which mm. is pretty cool. Here we go. So this little dude here is the Zero DS. Let me give this puppy a click. Um, I, they just don't go very far, if I remember right. Let me look here. The, uh, the major manufacturer... I'm, I'm not the Zero isn't, but you know, the traditional manufacturers like Honda, uh, Toyota, Yamaha. A lot of them are coming out with electric first starter bikes right now. KTM has one of those where if you've got like the little kids used to have these little tiny like 50cc bikes, now you can actually get those in electricity uh, and that's where it's kind of catching on. But for the most part, electric dirt bikes are not that prevalent yet and I'm not even t going into like electric side-by-sides and electric sleds and you know the rest of the off-road world. So this one, the DS, goes 82 miles in the city. Yeah. In the city on a one charge and it costs 11 grand starting and then if you want the uh, additional like batteries and stuff you're going to be pushing 14,000 bucks in some cases and if you want a quick charger that's another 600 so $14,000 for a bike that'll off-road maybe do 50 miles which isn't that much for a motorcycle so 50 miles in a car it's yeah. a ton you could get a, a really nice like uh you know, you could, KTM or... What about like an Africa Twin? Could you get an Africa Twin for 15? That's a big adventure bike. No, but you could probably get a Tenere. There you go. That'd be cool. Yeah, you can get that. So I think we're even further from seeing off-road adventure bikes than we are from seeing off-road worthy cars. So the Harley did do the live wire on that live wire. And it was also out. crazy. They, did, they took a street bike, they converted it to an adventure bike, and then they never built it like for consumers. Isn't, aren't, isn't Harley coming out with an adventure bike? They, they were supposed to be coming out with an adventure bike, but... Uh, I'm really excited for that. I think of, it's cool. It, it's been kind of uh, delayed, I think. The Pan America. Yeah. Here it is. Is it delayed? I think it's delayed. I don't think it's electric though, right? No, no, it's not. It's Launch event, 2-22-2021. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's coming up real soon. Yeah, hopefully it'll actually happen. Uh, so, you know, there are a lot of challenges for uh, electric off-roading. Uh, there, there are a lot of pluses. You know, the one I just mentioned, is uh, they're quiet. Very quiet. Right? Yeah, so, that's cool. So, you know, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of off-roading and uh, uh, as much as like guys love uh, big V8s when you're out there in nature and you've got somebody with an uncorked, uh, you know, LS swap Jeep uh, that's, um, you know, basically thundering down the trail, it can be kind of annoying, dude. It is a little obnoxious. I'm excited yeah. for that. Uh, instant torque's good. We talked about that. Yeah. Uh, but the potential for torque distribution is really cool. Minuses, range, another minus is uh, cost. cost. That's another good one. Yeah. Batteries are still very expensive. Weight is a yeah. real problem. Uh, and then, of course, just charging infrastructure on our trails. I'm really curious to see, do you think Jeep is actually going to start putting these chargers on these trails? Yeah, they announced it. They said they were going to start putting... But do you think, it, like, genuinely, is that really going to happen? I think it's kind of like that juice boxes that, that uh, they put on uh, the, the, the route... The dealerships? No, the juice boxes they put on the route for 
for a long way up. What, they're never going to be used ever again? And they're going to collect dust? It might be. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll it see. It might be, you know, a question of timing, you know. It's, is I it mean, if you're going to do it, you have to do... Too early. You have to do fast chargers, which are a whole kind of ball of wax. Because the solar chargers, no one's going to wait there for six hours. Well, you could do solar chargers with big batteries, right? Well, we, go, we, we, we go flying, right? So when I say flying, we go RC plane flying. And there's a little, like, hut there where they've got batteries and they've got a solar charger. These are 12-volt um, car batteries, right? Oh, I've no issue with the solar. The solar's right. cool. And, and the solar charges up the battery, and then you plug in your little tiny battery for the plane, and then you can go fly. So the same thing could potentially be done, right? You could get a giant solar array with batteries, Tesla batteries, for instance, that, that charge up, and then people can charge up off the battery and not have to just, you know, wait for the sun to do its thing. You're going to have to have a big battery if you yes. want to charge more than one Jeep up. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, if it was a fast charger, you could plug in for half an hour and get a lot of charge. You'd have to have a big array and a big battery, but, but it, you know, if people aren't using it that much, I mean, it's not like, you know, the Walmart, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yep. You're not going to be there. Black Bear Pass, yeah, you're not going to have a line of four by E's or whatever. <laughs> plugged in. Well, there you have it, guys. I'm sure we've forgotten some uh, other electric vehicles. We kind of try to go through uh, the plethora of off-road electric uh, that are coming. Which one are you the most excited about, Tommy? Which one, if, you know, we, we just bought a Raptor uh, that we're going to finish up using pretty soon. So right now the plan is probably to charge, uh, to, 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 not to charge, to uh, trade in the Raptor for something electric or the Bronco. We'll see. I mean, I am most excited for this potential for an electric Wrangler. Yeah. I think the Tesla looks like a doorstop. <laughs> I think the Rivian is perpetually delayed. I think the uh, Hummer is overkill and far too expensive. So I'm hoping Jeep pulls through, comes out with something relatively affordable with decent range. That's what I'm going for. You know, Rivian, um, I'm going to talk to you. I'm talking to you directly now, Rivian. You seem to be really good at raising money. Uh, but at this point, we'd love to actually get our hands on one of your vehicles so that our audience that is substantial could get a little bit more insight. And these are going to be your customers. Uh, that are going to be buying your cars. Uh, and I know that two years ago at the LA Auto Show when you were the first to come up with the electric uh, off-roader pickup and SUV, the world went crazy and everybody, you know, laid down a deposit. But times have changed. Um, we're seeing actually what happened with the Mach-E, so that might be a little cautionary tale for you. The latest is that, you know, a lot of the people that went and put down money on the original uh, Mach-E over a year what, and a half ago now are dropping out. So you can actually start to buy those right from the dealership. Uh, and that might be a cautionary tale for Rivian, and you might want to actually get some test vehicles into our hands or into other publications' hands uh, and, you know, do more than, you know, give Ewan McGregor a, a support vehicle. All right, well, let us know what you think of electric off-roaders in the comments section below. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. We're available on Spotify and Apple and pretty much everywhere you get hey, your podcasts. you know where else we're available? Where? TikTok. Well, we have a new TikTok account. This is very uh, kind of silly, but if you want to see our car reviews, TFL but, Studios, but a lot less of us, yeah. then check out the TikTok account. Yeah, it's, we're having fun with it, so check out at TFL Studios on TikTok now. Uh, thanks for watching, uh, and see you guys next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.